somebody in the house can shout amen. Shout amen. Have you ever been washed clean? Shout yes. Hallelujah. What an authentic encounter that we've had with God today. I'm thankful for that presence. Told you last week that it was through the power of the Spirit that we can overcome. That Spirit that gives you power is present here today. It's the one we worship. He's the one we magnify. And I pray that God allows it to live through us, manifest through us. Unclean, but made clean through Him. A miracle. Dirty, lost, undone, shortcomings, filthy, messed up, tore up from the flow up. But God is good. The last few weeks we've spent a lot of time talking about strongholds. I'm going to do my best to kind of put a bow on this sermon series, God willing, and next week we'll get into a brand new sermon series that we called that we will call Healthy Things Grow. Amen. I almost preached it this week, but God wasn't finished yet with strongholds. So I was bouncing back and forth with our media team as to which um, pathway we wanted to take on our social media outlets. We stuck with, I said, we got to stick with strongholds one more week. We've talked the last couple of weeks of how to overcome strongholds of the enemy. And also at the same time, make room in our life for God to become our fortress of protection against that same enemy. In other words, you can't do it on your own. In other words, if you could have, God would have sent you to the cross, but your blood wouldn't do. You don't have the power to resurrect and raise from the dead. Jesus had to be sent as a sacrificial lamb, a lamb that would be slain, that would have power through the blood to forgive us and cleanse us and redeem us from all of our unrighteousness. If we could have done it, Christ would have sent you. He would have sent me, or God would have sent us. He could not. He had to send His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. We have God, we have Jesus, and we have the Spirit. That spirit is what you feel today. It's what makes you uh, have comfort. It's what makes you have peace. Say, do we shout hallelujah because something took over? No, we shout hallelujah because we're just so glad that he lives within us that it compels us to shout hallelujah. It compels us to worship our hands or lift our hands and worship God. It compels us to get down on our knees and give all to him. It's the spirit that can help you overcome strongholds of the enemy. Specifically last week, we talked about that. We talked about how do we go about breaking down strongholds of the enemy. We said, well, you got to take every thought captive. I'm going to give you some numbers on our thoughts that we go through every day. You will be blown away. Take every thought captive And you can only do that through the power of the Spirit. It's too much stuff going on in our messed up minds to be able to take them captive on our own to overcome the power of a stronghold that the enemy will keep you bound by. 
You can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as I thought I was going to move along into that new sermon series, I realized that I had to stick around for a while on this one. Because taking every thought captive needs a little time spent on it. I can tell you to take every thought captive, then I can send you out of here and the enemy will beat you up. When you think he's disappeared, he's just rope-a-doping you. If y'all know what the rope-a-dope is from Muhammad Ali, they used to think they had him hurt, right? And just when they think they had him hurt, he'll come out swinging and put your butt on the ground. The enemy is the same way. I can tell you to take every thought captive, and just when you think you've overcome, here comes another thought rushing in to create another stronghold in your life, unless you utilize the power of the Spirit in your life to keep it captive. It's not one thought, it's not two, it's many. New thoughts, stuff you ain't even heard of yet. Strongholds ain't even been brought to the earth yet. I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, today some people have strongholds and not being able to keep your eyes off the wrong things on a computer. hundred years ago, they didn't even know what that thing was. New strongholds. The enemy see creeping in in the same way he always has. So let's get to the verse of 2 Corinthians. I want to go back to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 4 through 6. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. Don't know why we keep trying to fight with the weapons of the world. As if a bank account will bring you joy. As then another friend will bring you joy. As if a a, a new job will bring you joy. All those things make life easier, but they don't bring you joy. So we choose to try to fight with things that we think will cause us to overcome. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're quite the opposite. On the contrary, the ones you fight with through the power of the Spirit have divine power to demolish strongholds. This is all review from last week. We demolish arguments and every pretension... That means every last single thing that might cause you to set yourself up against kingdom things. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You can, through the divine power of God, demolish those things. And we take every thought, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We like to leave the rest of the verse alone and then just start shouting right there. You have to remember, when you study, when you read, there's a reciprocating relationship between you and God. God went to the cross, you didn't automatically get saved. You have to accept Him as Savior, right? For God so loved the world that whosoever believes. It's always a reciprocating relationship of one side and the other manifesting love and power together as one responds in obedience. The less than one, us, we respond to God. So we have to read the rest of this verse. I don't have my verse numbers in here, but I'm assuming verse 6. There it is. 
And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience. I like that word, punish. I don't have time to preach on it right now. Oh, we love to shout about it, though. Here's your part. Once your obedience is complete. Yes, we don't fight with the weapons of the world. We have divine power to demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We can take captive every thought. We make it obedient unto Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act once your obedience is complete. You play a role in overcoming the enemy by taking Every thought captive by acting in obedience. That means when God speaks, do what you're told. He's your father. When he speaks, do what he said you would do. Do, do what God says for you to do. How often do we really do that? I actually would say after my research, realizing how big God is and how incomprehensible He is and expansive He is, I'd probably really just say we almost never do. But you don't know yet what I know. That's why I got to give this to you so you'll know what I know. If you've paid close attention in the last couple of weeks, you've noticed that this verse here that we're reading, we've brought in a new element. We stopped last, last week with bringing every thought captive. Paul is telling us that the outcome of taking every thought captive comes only through the power of the Spirit. The desired outcome for us is to make ourselves punish every act of disobedience. The verse says that this is only achieved once our obedience has been completed. In essence, in other words, what I'm really trying to say, this verse in, verse in Corinthians says that God makes us the main player on the field of battle when it comes to taking thoughts captive. He says it will happen when you have your obedience completed. You're the main player on the field. My wife can't take my thoughts captive. She got her own battles to fight in the spiritual realm. You can't take my thoughts captive. I can't take yours. That's your own battle. Now I know we're the family of God and all that. Don't take that out of context. You have to lay your head down at night when it's just you and God. My knee won't bow for you. When the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess at the end of the day that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, you got to bow your own knee. I can't take your thoughts captive. I can pray for you. I can intercede for you. I can support you. I can help teach you. We can worship together. We can live together. We can, we can live out the principles of God and this kingdom of God that established here on the earth to overcome the enemy. But I cannot take your thoughts captive. You must take your thoughts captive once your obedience is complete. you the main player on the field. You're the superstar on the field. It rolls off the tongue really easy. 
take every thought captive. The desired pathway for the enemy to cause us to fall is through our mind and through our thoughts. It's the precise same thing he's been doing all along. As soon as he shows up on the scene in the Word of God, back in Genesis, he convinces Adam and Eve that the truth is not really the truth of God. Deception. Made them start to think things that weren't so. Did they, did he really mean don't eat of the tree? And Eve says, oh yeah, he told us. He told us not to eat of the tree. But something convinced them that it would be okay. Created a thought because of an imperfect mind that we have that's short-sighted and not infinite. And they could not take it captive and obey. Their obedience did not come to completion because they knew what God said, so then they strayed from God and let that thought that they knew was wrong cause them to eat of the tree. We're still doing that in 2020. Today, someone's already done that. So you guys hear me preach often about us being spirit beings. I've got a body that God's allowed for me to live in the flesh on this earth. But housed within this body is a spirit that will never die. This flesh will die one day. But the spirit inside of me will live forever. So in essence, I'm really a spirit being. Housed in a body that we call flesh. The problem is that this body we call flesh is weak. Because we take in external stimuli as we live in this world, and then we just decide that we're not going to take thoughts captive. We're just going to let it go right back in. So when you get all that garbage in that you live and see in this world, you don't, you don't consider the spirit and take that thought captive. It's garbage right back out. Preacher that I often listen to calls it garbage in, garbage out. Pretty simple. You must consider the spirit, take the thought captive, and obey the word of God. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's so hard, it's so difficult to live out. So we've got to look deeper and understand what I'd like to call the mind-body-spirit connection. Because I'm never going to not have my mind as long as I'm on this earth, I'm going to have a body, and this spirit that's housed inside of it has to somehow manifest good in the world. Mind, body, spirit. In short, the mind-body-spirit connection could be described as how our bodies respond to the way we think, act, and feel. I'm trying to teach you something now. I hate to be so teachy today, but you're going to have to learn something. I'm going to preach to you just a little bit, but I've got to teach. 
Mind-body-spirit connection could be described, that's why I'm repeating this, as how, if you were students in my class, I would say, get your pencil out, boys and girls. That, this is where you take a note. But I know we, you, that this is just church, so if you want to just listen, you can listen. The mind-body-spirit connection could be described as how our bodies respond to the way we think, act, and feel. As I was reading recently in one of my studies, I read a lot of uh, books, a lot of commentaries, a lot of blogs, I watch a lot of videos, I watch, anyway, I was reading a, bro a blog recently uh, in my time of study from about 2012, I think I, I remember the date saying on it, it's from a, a, a blog called Faith, Hope, and Psychology. I noted some interesting things as I read that I wouldn't have to be able, I wouldn't be able to remember had I not jotted them down. I didn't jot them all down, but I was blown away by some of the things that were on this blog about our minds and our thoughts. It's a Christian-based blog, by the way, because I ain't got time to fight with the scientists. They just need to come on and accept Jesus. This is a message of faith. Come on and just accept him. Don't try to figure it all out. You don't try to figure out why your car starts, right? You just know when you turn the key, it gets you to work. Here's what the faith, hope, and psychology blog said about our minds. That the average person has about, this is a range, 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts Every day they live. Now I put some meat to the bones of take every thought captive, won't it? Some of y'all said, yep, yeah, most of the time. You know the little Facebook poll I put out. Because you know what? I said most of the time too. Mm -hmm. 12,000. Just one of them thoughts is all the enemy's looking for. We got to take every thought captive. He's just looking for one that would cause you to go astray. So when I say we take in external stimuli as we live in this world, there's been thousands upon thousands upon thousands of thoughts that have come about this group of people right here at church today. Got to take every thought captive. Fellas, you got to take them captive. One wife, faithful. Ah, hallelujah, hallelujah, women, you got to wait on the one that God sent you, I know you think he's tall, dark, and handsome, but you got to wait on the one that God's got for you, take every thought captive. Twelve to 60,000 thoughts per day. I did the basic math, and I'm not that good at it, but my math tells me that that is about 25,000, if I use the upper number, the 60,000, 2,500 thoughts per hour. The same research tells us, this will blow you away, that 80% of those thoughts that come your way are negative. <laughs> Take every thought captive. This will put some meat on it now, won't it? Really? 
No wonder we have a hard time being obedient. You can't just be a once a year church goer talking about I'm going to live right and I'm going to overcome the enemy. You're going to get beat up. Read your word, pray to God, go to church, get involved, be with like-minded people, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of the rest of the things of the world will be added unto you, and your prayers will availeth much if they're of a righteous man. You can't overcome all this talking about, oh, I'm going to get there in a little while. I've been there, I tried that. Think sometimes, you know, I, I, I think about the way I was, I was brought up. I was made to go to church, but I could pick one of the three days I wanted to go on. You're either going on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, or Sunday night. Take your pick, but you're getting your butt in the house of God. Didn't know it was so revolutionary at the time. I was being given a choice, so I never fought back. I thought, great. One out of three, but I had myself in church every week. Take every thought captive. 80% of the up to 60,000 thoughts per day. Come on, man. Are negative. This one will blow you away to a greater degree. 95% of those thoughts are actually exactly the same repetitive thought as the day before. Over and over and over again. Cannot escape the snares of the enemy. Old, stale thoughts about your past. God is fresh, new, and wants you to think about your future. You saw the little poll that we did online. I don't know how many of you voted, but I'm going to do some more of them polls. I, I like them. 81% of the people who answered on our Facebook poll that we used here amongst the foundation community, and I don't even know all the names. It doesn't matter to me. I only had two choices. Most of the time, I can stand my ground against the enemy, 81%. Some of the time, I can stand my ground against the enemy, 19%. One out of five, 20%. Some of the time I can stand my ground. If I re-polled right now, you'd probably be like, dog, I can't even answer that question. You just threw a lot at me. I don't even know. I got to re-gauge. I got to recalibrate. At the very least, all of these numbers tell us that the quality of our Christian life on this earth Rest on what we do with our thoughts and how we process them. Take captive every thought. This is why people murder. They can't, they can't take captive every thought. This is why people lie, cheat, and steal. They can't take captive every thought. This is why Adam and Eve ate from the tree. They couldn't take captive every thought. You are taking in way more information especially in probably the greatest information age that we've had, potentially in the history of humanity. We've got information coming from everywhere. We can get access to anything we want at any time, at any time of day, from wherever in the world, from whoever we want to get it from. The main player on the field, you, 
processing thoughts that come our way. These numbers also tell us that there are potentially hundreds or thousands of negative thoughts that are being left out there all alone with no resolution. The tendency for us when we have a negative thought is just be like, well, let's just forget about that and move on. That's not taking the thought captive. We've got to pray, God, with everything that is in me, please allow for me to take that thought captive and overcome that thought so that it doesn't grow in my mind. I'm going somewhere. I've got a little bit of time to get this to you now. Over the course of a lifetime, the accumulative results can be debilitating if not dealt with spiritually. Weak, feeble Christians. Leaving thoughts undone with no resolution cause us not to be able to live out what it is that God has for us in our life. I know this might be a little bit hard, but y'all just take your medicine. I promise you feel better. It doesn't take rocket science to understand that when these thoughts are left undone, that we create a mountain of spiritual issues for ourselves. So, how do we do this then? How do we take these thoughts captive? How do we handle this spiritual dilemma that's built upon the foundation of negative thoughts in our mind? Consider framing the dilemma like this. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience, but rather we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Got to frame it like that. Our human experience is what ignites these thoughts and informs our spirit. Our spiritual state of being determines how we process things and thoughts spiritually. Here's a quote that I just couldn't figure out how to preach without reading it directly from one of my resources that I use. Considering all of this perspective that I just gave you, when I said we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, because that means I got about 40 years max left and I'm gone. There's nothing left. The flesh just going to die and that's it. I refuse to believe that. I come too far along and know too much about God for you to make me believe otherwise. So the fact of the matter is I'm actually a spiritual being that God gave me the gift of life so I'm having a human experience for just a little while on this earth to be a light. So here we go. From this perspective, we must identify the spiritual problem as a pervasive problem that infects our mind, our will, our emotions, and our physical body. It's like we have a negative default programming that is hardwired into our entire being. It is not just a tendency to be negative or do a bad thing once in a while. It is a sinful nature that we are born with and a nature that is totally at odds with God. This is our nature. And it is sin that separates us 
from a relationship with God. So how then can we overcome it? There's a word in the Bible that I heard a preacher preach a decade or so ago, and I liked it. I thought I kind of knew what it was about, but I've studied it a little bit more since then. And the word is regeneration. To be regenerated. To be made new. To be born again. Another word for regeneration is rebirth. Y'all with me? Say yes. All right, just making sure. Some of you that have been around church for a while, you've probably heard it better described as, hey, I'm born again. I'm saved. Some of y'all been around for a long time. You say, you saved. I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Sanctified, set apart for service. Not who I used to be. Filled with a spirit that gives me power. Russ knows the line. Signed, sealed, delivered, and sanctified. Filled with the Holy Ghost and even fire baptized. Take heed to this word on the microphone. Matthew 4 by 4, we don't live by bread alone. How could we be so blind in this day and time? We need to leave the world behind before we run out of time. Consider the cost. Lead them to the cross and show them who's the boss. He's a G-O-D. Born again, signed, sealed, delivered, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said it best in John 3, 3, 5, when he was talking to Nicodemus. By the way, for y'all that have zero Bible experience, when it's in red, it's from Jesus. Just a little side note for you. Verily I say, or very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again, regenerated, rebirth, made new, old things passed away. So Nicodemus asked the question back then because God is like straight beast mode right here, right? Like Jesus is, you got to be born again. What is he talking about? So Nicodemus asked what a lot of us would ask. Verse number four, back on the team. How can someone be born again when they're old? What? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't come or cannot enter a second time into their mother's room and be born. Jesus said, "Hold, hold up. Slow down. Let me finish. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are, here's another way to describe, saved, born again, rebirth, regenerated, unless they are born of water, the first time you was born, when you got this flesh, and the spirit. Born of the flesh and the spirit. Being born again helps us overcome the default blueprint. Remember? The default programming that wires our sinful nature that we're born with to do bad, to do evil, to go against the word of God, to not live out the principles of God in your life, to somehow turn off the switch when God speaks and walk your own way. But being born again helps us overcome that blueprint or default programming of that nature. Being born again is not trying really hard to be a good person. No. Good people do not go to heaven, y'all. 
saved people, born again, very truly I say to you. John 3, chapter 3. John, no, the, the gospel of John chapter 3, verse 3. I tell you the truth. Listen, red words. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Born again. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, shortcomings, doesn't matter. All those people you can't stand, if they've been born again, they're going where you're going, you might as well figure out how to get along with them now on this earth because you're going to spend eternity with them in heaven if they've been born again. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent. All the stuff you don't like about them. Don't matter if you vote for the blue, the red, the white, the black, the brown, whatever. Need more unity. Need more unity. I got to move on. God been convicting me of that one. I got to move on. Consider your, well, I got to move on. Completely new nature. Being born again, a new heart. This new nature and new heart will give you a different path to follow. How many of you want to follow the path that God has laid out for you? A new path to follow. A new heart. A new nature. A new blueprint for life. Not the one that causes heartache, trouble, sadness, sorrow, depression, anxiety. A new path for life. Here's how we do it. Take every thought captive. Romans 12, verse number 1 through 2. I kind of like reading it from here to you so I don't have to read it from here. Because then I know when to talk to you and know when you're looking at me and stuff. This kind of been getting on my nerves. But I'm going to keep reading it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, who is that? That's you. That's us. That's me. I urge you. I strongly encourage you. With all that I have within me, I'm urging you. In the view of God's mercy, that means in the view of God's mercy, so he's urging you even though you don't deserve it. He's urging you even though your life says you don't deserve it. He's urging you even though the world can't figure out why. Because God's got mercy and he's got grace. So he overcomes all of our shortcomings. He just goes right beyond it. In the view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Take every thought captive when your obedience is complete. Every thought captive. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Holy. Why does that word have to be old-fashioned? Can it just be holy? Can it just be pure? Holy and pleasing. This is your true, proper, some verses say, this is just reasonable. Reasonable. Bottom level entry point. Worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. Remember the stimuli? Right? There's a pattern out there. There's a pattern out there. Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, the regenerating of your heart, becoming new by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what God's will is. I don't know when he's talking. I don't know where he's going. Renew your mind daily. 80, 60,000 thoughts a day. Taking every thought captive. 
That means you better be loving your God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul. That's the first and greatest commandment, the Bible says. And then, by the way, for all those people that you think you have a problem with, the second commandment, the Bible says, is just like the first one. As much as you love yourself, you ought to love your neighbor as well. Take every thought captive. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. If you do not renew your mind every day, somebody say every day, your humanity, your mind, your thoughts, your sinful nature, you have a tendency to revolt or revert back to sinful mode, how you were made. That's why you got to be made new. Now remember, this was all born out of strongholds in our life. The enemy hasn't stopped fighting with the same tools he fought with a long time ago. It's the same tools. If he can get your mind, he's got all of you. That's how you have people to say, well, I don't know if I believe in God, or well, I don't know if I... He got control of their mind and their thoughts and made them believe the same thing he made Adam and Eve believe. That something is, but it's actually not, man. God is all good. The new birth, the new nature constantly needs spiritual nourishment. I believe I got one more verse back there, and I, I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again. I posted it online this week. Finally, brothers and sisters, this is Paul again, different church. This is a church at Philippi. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, praiseworthy, think about those things. Every thought captive, keeping your eyes and your mind fixed on the things of God. Spiritual nourishment is kind of like the iOS update on your phone. Anybody else hate doing the iOS update on your phone? Or am I the only one? I lay down at night and I do that thing. I get up the next day. I can't call nobody. I can't check no messages. Screen turned different color. I don't understand about all that. So I'm like four things behind. And my phone is cracked and all that. Just give me what I've been having, right? Just let me. But what's best for the phone, for me to fully benefit from what the phone does, they say it's a smartphone, right? So for me to benefit from it, I have to give it what it needs to have to fully operate the way that it needs to operate. Update the iOS, man, to get out of it what you're supposed to get out of it. It's the same way with God. Why don't you just listen, take those thoughts captive, and all of this stuff, think on these things, and do what it is that God says do so you can operate for what you were made for. You need an iOS update. You need spiritual nourishment. You've got to turn it over to God. Strongholds will crumble at the feet of Jesus. Strongholds will be demolished, the Bible says, by the divine power of the Spirit through you. Can't do it on your own. You to stand with me if you would. 
week. I believe it was. Hand me that mic. I believe it was last week. We had five people that decided they wanted to make Jesus the Lord of their life. Hallelujah. And if I know God well, like I do, he is my daddy. He is my friend that sticks closer than a brother. What kind of audacious, bogus, crazy love that a man would lay down his life for a friend? It's only one. His name is Jesus. Knowing him like I know him, I believe there's additional people here that would like to be born again, saved, give their heart to God, be made new, be forgiven, make Jesus the Lord of your life. So what I want to do is have you bow your heads.